we're going to get right into God's word, Colossians chapter number one. Father, we thank you now for your word, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your grace, your mercy, your truth, your faith, your favor. We bless you, we praise you, we honor you. We give you all the praise and all the glory for your word. Today we are talking about our inheritance. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an inheritance. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus and through your precious blood, we pray. All to read that prayer said, amen, amen. All right. Now, if you notice, we had gotten on this series, uh, Giving Thanks to the Father. Let's look at Colossians chapter uh, 1 and verse number 12. That's where we're at right now. Colossians 1, 12, giving thanks to the Father. Now, we're using that for a series, giving thanks to the Father, because he has made us meet to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, the reason why we're here is, is because I told you about Romans chapter 12, God going to make you a new creation in Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We talked about all that on that series. You need to get that. That is a 12 tape series. Be renewed in, the, in your mind. You, you got you to have a new mind. All right? A new mind means a new soul, new, new spirit. You got to be born again. If you don't do that, you can't get your inheritance. See, now I'm teaching on inheritance. You can't get your inheritance because you've been water baptized. You've got to be in Christ. And going to take the Holy Spirit to put you in Christ. All right, now, let's go to work because this morning we talked about God made us partakers. Let's go to Ephesians, uh, Colossians, sorry. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which has, here it is, made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, that's what we talked about already last week. God made us partaker of his inheritance. Now we move to part three uh, uh, today and part four today. What is, what is our eternal inheritance? Part four. What is our eternal inheritance? See, that's what it's all about. What, it is, what is it? Our eternal inheritance is what we're going to talk about today. What is our eternal inheritance? Ask somebody that this morning. What is our eternal inheritance? I didn't just say what is your inheritance. What is our eternal inheritance? Now this morning, if you got your uh, Facebook from this morning, I talked about Israel. What was Israel's inheritance? Israel inheritance, but now I'm coming to the body of Christ. What is our inheritance? I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 1 because I like to read this verse because it told us we have already obtained. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Just one verse. Ephesians 1 and 11 said, In Christ, see that's why everything is about you being in Christ. Everything is about you being in Christ. So when people say, I baptize you in water in Jesus' name, what they're saying is, they put you in Christ. That's deception. I'm showing you today that in Colossians chapter 1, it was the Father who made you able to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints in life. Man couldn't do this. All of this is God's work. Ephesians 1 and 11 says, in whom also we have, past tense, we have obtained an inheritance. Now, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Because of what Christ did, we have an inheritance. I want you to shout it out, somebody. Shout it out, because we get ready, get ready to get into the word. Tell somebody, we have, make it personal to yourself. I don't know about you, but I have an inheritance. Now, I'm saying this because the inheritance is eternal life. Now, I said this morning, there are so many people, bless their hearts, who think they, they we heard preachers, preachers taught us this, that they're going home to get their crown. Now, I'm going to show you in the word of God that that's a lie. I'm going to show you the word of God because to go get that crown means to go get eternal life. 
Now, let's show you that God already gave you eternal life. And let's show you what eternal life is. Now, right here he's told you, Ephesians 1 11, we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestinated. It's already happened. According to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. All right? Now, let's show you that. Let's go first of all and show you the eternal inheritance. Let's go first of all to Hebrew, I'm sorry, Hebrew 9, 12 through 15. Hebrew 9, 12 through 15. I'm going to cover three in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 12. Hebrew chapter 9, verse 12. I'm going to start reading verse 11. Hebrew 9, 11, I'm sorry. But Christ, becoming high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, talking about Christ now, is the perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, watch this, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, I gave you number one this morning, eternal life. Now, I'm giving you your eternal inheritance. Number one is eternal life. Here, he calls it eternal redemption. Now, let's just flow this morning, okay? Now, eternal redemption. What is eternal redemption? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to come right back. Ephesians 1 and 7. What is eternal redemption? What is the word redemption? Eternal redemption. Let the Bible tell us. Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom, that's that in whom meaning in Christ, we have. Now remember, he's not, he's not talking about you're going to get. We have. What do we have, Pastor? We have redemption. But how do we get redemption? We got it through Christ's blood. Then he's going to tell us what it is. The forgiveness of sins. Oh, I have redemption. I have forgiveness of sins. I got it through the blood of Jesus or the blood of Christ. Yeah. Or according to the riches of his grace. Now, this is his grace. See this cross? This is grace. Christ died on the cross. That's the grace. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is the grace. So when the Bible said, by grace you are saved, this is what he's talking about. By what Christ did on this cross, are you saved? This is how you were saved. So when somebody telling you something else, they are lying against the cross. They are enemies of the cross. God came here, put on flesh, and saved man. What a mighty God we serve. That's why we're giving thanks now unto the Father. That's the name of the series. Giving thanks to the Father. And I don't know who you are out there, but you need to do that. You need to give him thanks because he's the one who gave you eternal life. Here he gave you eternal redemption. Eternal redemption is eternal forgiveness. Now that's an awesome thing. That no, you know I had... A question I'm going to have to answer because we do beyond the message. And one of the questions that someone asks you is, Pastor, do you believe in once saved, always saved? Now, I don't know where you got that from, but God gave us eternal redemption. Now, if my redemption is eternal, the word redemption means forgiveness. That, see, we got this idea you're just giving people a license to sin. Listen, you're going to sin as long as you're a sinner. You're not going to stop sinning until you get saved. Because when God saved you, guess what he saved you from? He saved you from sin. So don't, see, people got this out here where, you know, I, that person that go to church. We're not talking about going to church. We're not talking about folk being baptized in Jesus' name with water. We're talking about folks who've been saved by God giving them the Holy Ghost. And I'm not talking about just because I can pray in tongues. I'm talking about you got the Holy Ghost living in you. Let me show you what happened here. 
in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. Well, let, let's, we'll get there. We'll get there. Now, Ephesians told us we have obtained an inheritance. Now, let's go back to Colossians because Colossians also told us about this. We're in chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse number 14. Talked about redemption. Now, remember our first thing we said, eternal, eternal life. Gave that this morning. Then we got eternal redemption. Redemption is forgiveness of sin. We got that. Come on, tell somebody I got that. All right, you're not trying to get that. You got that. Now, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, in whom we have. Not going to get. We have. I already got this. What do we have? We got redemption. How do we get it? We got it through his blood. How did I get redemption? Through the blood. He redeemed. The word redeemed means he bought and paid for my salvation. He did it through the blood. He did it through the blood. So when man tell you, oh, just get baptized with water in Jesus' name, you'll be okay. You've been deceived. They lying to you. That won't hold up in court. Because just as sure if you get in God's courthouse, and somebody preacher said, well, I got some people here belong to my church and they all say because they baptized in water in Jesus' name. You're going to have heaven itself. All the angels of God will come against you calling you a lie because they witnessed the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus for your salvation. Don't let nobody deceive you. All heaven rejoiced. Abraham, why you think Moses and Elias met Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? They came for the funeral. Whew. My God, my God. All right, we have redemption. Watch what it says. In whom, we in Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Two places told you that God has forgiven you of your sin. Now, that's good news. But you got to give thanks to the Father. The Father gave you an inheritance, and one of them is he gave you eternal life, number one. How many keeping keep score out there with me now? Number one, he gave you eternal life. Number two, he gave you eternal forgiveness. Let's go to number three. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Number three, he gave you eternal spirit. Right here in Hebrew chapter 9, they laid out for you. Hebrew 9, 14. How much more? Share the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, when God gave you the Holy Ghost, he gave you an eternal spirit. Let me show you what it is. Romans chapter 1. And verse 4, when God gave you the Holy Ghost, he gave you an eternal spirit. He made you spirit. He gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you the spirit, watch this, of holiness. So don't tell me you're saved, but you can't live holy. When God saved you, he equip you. He give you the spirit of holiness so you can live right. Can't live right because you ain't got the spirit. I'm going to give you two places. I'm going to give you Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to give you both of them. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. Then we're going to go to Ephesians 4 and we're going to look at verse 23. Ephesians chapter, uh, first, Romans, first, Romans 1 and 4, Jesus Christ declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. That's the spirit he gave you when he saved you. He gave you the spirit. I told you this morning, 1 Corinthians 6, 11, he sanctified you, justified you. He cleansed you. He gave you, there it is, the spirit of holiness. What an awesome God. Hebrews 9, 14, he gave you the spirit of holiness. Ephesians chapter 4, 
and verse number 23. That's what God did. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at all this good stuff here that he did for you. Give him the praise. Give him the glory. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God, here it is, is created and righteousness and true holiness. Listen, once God put you in Christ, he gave you true holiness. None of this stuff that you see in churches today, that you got to wear a certain kind of clothing to be holy. Got to wear your hair a certain way to be holy. Got to wear a certain length to be holy. Got to wear a certain kind of shoes to be holy. Can't have no makeup on. Can't have, look, that ain't no holiness. That's religion. You disqualify most of the folk in the church. Holiness has to do with the soul. You were created. Watch what it says in Ephesians 4, 24. And that you put on the new man, you put the new man on the soul. And verse, which after God is created, created, you didn't create the flesh man again, he created the soul. And righteousness and true holiness. That's what true holiness is. In verse 25, says, wherefore put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members of one another. All right, now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 9. There's another one. Hebrew, Hebrew chapter 9. Yeah, I just taught that. I just taught that. He's already justified us, cleansed us. Thank you very much. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit, that's the one I just gave you. What did he do with his eternal spirit? Offer himself without spot to God. Watch what he did now. Purge your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. See, we got to give him praise. We got to give him praise. Got to give him praise to the Father. Because the Father gave you his sacrifice of his own son. Purge your conscience from dead works. Your conscience, your soul, your heart, your mind from dead works so you can serve, worship the living God. Don't let nobody fool you. Don't give nobody else the praise and the glory. Look at verse 15. Hebrews 9, 15 said, for this cause, he's the mediator of the New Testament. That means of death for the redemption of the transgressor that was under the first testament, that they which are called, now called is us, we've been called, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. God made sure he called us to the fellowship of his son. He called us to eternal life so we can have eternal inheritance. See, we got to give him all the praise and all the glory. Now, let's look at another. He called us. I'm going to show you in the word that he gave you an eternal home. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God gave you an eternal home. You know, I, I was taught when I was growing up. I'm also got to do 2 Corinthians 4 while I'm there. I'm in 2 Corinthians 5. I want to do 4, 17, 18 while I'm there. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then we're going to do Hebrew 9, 11 to go with this. But I'm going to show you our eternal home. You know, as a pastor, it really, it really hurts me when I see people who don't know the word. And then they, they, they try to tell you about where this person going that passed away. Listen, you got to get in Christ now. Christ is our eternal home. That's who your eternal home is. Okay? Now, if you don't get in Christ, you don't have no home. Now, I want to read this out of the Bible because I want to show you in the Bible. And what I want to show you is that we are the Father's house. 
Now, that's an awesome thing I just told you. So we're going to look at quite a few, but we're going to use this one as Christ is our eternal house. Everything we got is eternal. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle will dissolve, we have a building of God. Here it is. And house not made with hands. Now, if we got a house not made with hands, what do you hear in funerals? When somebody passed away, the first thing we say is, they gone to heaven to be with the Lord. They gone to their house up in heaven. Listen, church. It doesn't mean they're not going to go into the spirit realm, because we are. But you got to get in the house now. Come on. You got to get in the house now. Let, let me tell you, if I was in the days of Noah, Jesus said it would be as in the days of Noah or before the flood. Now, if they know it was going to be a flood, what do you do? You get in the ark now. Come on, tell somebody, you get in the ark now. Because if you wait until you die, you can't come in. The door is shut. That's what it means. When you die, the doors are shut. You can't enter in. Once you die, only God himself can deliver you from the house you're in. Now that's big time stuff. I just, I'm, 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 I'm giving you some good stuff. Only God can deliver you from the house that you are in right now. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter 7, verse 24. See, the Bible, everything you talk about is right here. Romans chapter 7 and verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? O wretched man that I am, Paul says. Who going to deliver me from the body of this death? Who going to deliver me out of this dying body? The next verse he told us. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself saw the Lord God. But with the spirit the Lord, with the flesh the Lord sin. He thanked God that only God can deliver him from the body of this death. I'm going to ask you a question. Who's going to deliver you from the body you in? Because your body going to the ground. The word said it is. Death, dust thou art, dust thou shall return. When you die, your flesh going back to the grave. But your soul don't have to go to the grave with your flesh. Your soul can move today into its own new house. Let me show it to you. This is, this is some good stuff. Let me show it to you. Now, right there in Romans chapter 7, let me read chapter 8 with you there. And let me show you that in verse number 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Romans 8 and 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse number 9, powerful verse. But you are not in the flesh but you're in the spirit. Wait a minute, what does it mean to say I'm in the spirit? That means I've been born of the spirit. You gotta understand, Jesus said in John 3, 5, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Listen, you gotta be born again. Now what happened? God born your soul first in the flesh. He'll born your soul again in the spirit. So watch this, verse nine said, but you are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit if if so be that the Spirit of God live in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he none of his. So if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of his anyway. You got to have the Spirit living in you to qualify to be a son. You can't get no inheritance if you're not a son. All right, now, verse number 10. If Christ be in you, Christ 
The body is dead because of sin. Now the spirit is life. The Holy Ghost that comes inside of you is your life. That's how you receive eternal life. The spirit is life because of righteousness. So because of righteousness, the spirit lives inside of you and declare you righteous before Father. Okay, now, with that in mind, you have an eternal home. Now, I want to show you this because I think this is so important. Look, look at Hebrews chapter 9. I, I'm a, I forgot I will do 2 Corinthians 4, 17. But I want to look at Hebrews chapter 9 because I want to show you the house. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. God gave us the house. But Christ, becoming high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. There it is. Then it says, not made with hands. Christ is God. Perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. Let me show you what it means. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle was dissolved, we have a building of God, a house, watch this, not made with hands. Where's the house that's not made with hands? Eternal in the heaven. What is the house not made with hands? That's eternal in the heaven. Here it is. Hebrews 9, 11. It's Christ. Christ is the more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. So Christ is your new house. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because I want to keep reading. And verse number 2 says, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be closed upon, watch this, with our house. That's Christ. That's what the person who's not saved really needs. They need to be clothed with their house, which is from heaven, which is Christ. And if being clothed, they won't be found naked. It's an awesome thing when God comes and you have no clothes. Does it sound familiar? Sure it is. That's what happened with Adam. When God came for Adam, Adam had no clothes. See, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to be ashamed, embarrassed before God. But God sent his son to down the cross as a sheep before the shepherd so you can have the shepherd's clothing, the clothing of the sheep. So your nakedness, Revelation says, your nakedness do not appear. Let God clothe you with his righteousness. Watch what it says. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 3 says, If so being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we will be unclothed, but clothed upon. Watch what happened when God put his clothes on you. Mortality might be swallowed up of life. Once God put his clothes on you, his spirit on you, mortality is swallowed up of life. Now your soul is in life. Now verse 5. Now he that has wrought us, created us, for the self-same thing is God, who also has given to us the earnest of the Spirit. God wants to close, take that mortality and put it in immortality. That soul, he take that soul and put it in Christ. Now he that wrought us for the self-same thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we always confidence now. Here we go. That knowing that while we are, watch this, at home in the body. See, right now, when you're not saved, you are at home in the body. See, people got this thing like, I'm going home. No, no, no. When you're in the flesh, you're at home right now. The flesh is your home. And God is trying to get you to leave your home for his home. Good God Almighty. God is trying to get you to give up your house 
soul man, and come move in his house. Now I'm going to tell you how good God is. God will act, God wants to come live in your house. So when your house deteriorates, when your house dies, he'll have you to come live in his house for eternity. But he's going to come inside of you, he in his house, which is Christ. And he's going to live inside of you. So when your house is peeled off like a banana, then Christ will be able to walk into the spirit realm. He don't have no dirt no more. But your soul will be in Christ forever. Come on, give it, give it some praise. I'm telling you, this thing is so awesome. But your house is going to die. Your body is going to die. Your flesh is going to die. But God is offering you to come live in his house. How is he going to do it? He'll come in your house, take your soul, swallow it up into his spirit. And so when your body dies, you already be in Christ. Now this is good news. Christ is eternal life. Now watch this thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 6 said, Therefore we always confidence, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we absent from the Lord. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we are willing. Are you willing? You got to be willing rather to be absent from the body. Otherwise, you got to be willing to leave your body, leave your house for Christ. He told them, you got to take up your cross daily and follow me. Are you willing to say, Lord, I deny my own life. I want to live in your house. I want you to come live your life in my house. While I'm in this earth, I want to live my life. I want you to live your life in me. So when my body dies, I'll be with you in your house for eternity. Now let me show you this, because this is what Jesus Christ taught when he taught them the gospel of John. Let me go back and show you something. And I want to show you that Christ is the father of house. Say that with me. Christ is the father's house. Now, if Christ is the father's house, come on, say it again. Christ is the father's house. Then I'm going to show you, you the father's house. You know why? You the body of Christ. Come on, say it. I'm the body of Christ. Christ is the father's house. Now watch this. Otherwise, the Christ of the Father's house means where the Father lives. See, the Father lives in Christ, and Christ lives in me, and I live in Christ. So that makes my soul the Father's house. All right, let me show it to you. The Gospel of John, let's, let's go and show you chapter number 2. Now, I'm going to start at verse number 13. John chapter 2, verse 13. And the Jews, I'm going to read out the King James. And the Jews, Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Watch this. He found in the temple. So you want to underline that word? He found in the temple. So we know where he went. Those that sold oxen and sheep and dove and the changes of money city. And when he had made a score, a small course, he drove them out of, watch this, the temple. And then the Bible said, and the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changes of money over through the tables. Verse 16, he said to them that sold doves, take these things out of here. Watch what he's going to say. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise, all right? Now, what's the father's house? Verse number 14, he found in the temple. Verse 15, he put them all out of the temple. Then it says, take these things out of here. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Well, what is the father's house? It's the temple. It's the temple where Jesus was. It's the temple that Jesus cleansed. 
What did Jesus cleanse? Let me show it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. What did he cleanse? 1 Corinthians, he cleansed the temple. Why did he cleanse the temple with his own blood? 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of a living God. Why did he do it? Why did he cleanse the temple? He cleansed the temple because that's where he lived. Because the Father's house. Now, look back at John chapter 14. We always hear this at funerals. John chapter 14. Verse number 1. Jesus is speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse number 2. In my Father's house. Now the Jews so supposed to have understood by now because he started out his ministry in John chapter 2 telling them, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. You have made it a den of thieves. All right? So what's a father's house? It's the temple. All right. Verse 2, John 14 and 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am. Where I am, yeah. Verse number 10 says, Believe thou not that I am in the Father. Wait a minute. Where I am, well, where are you, Jesus? I'm in the Father. And the Father in me. Well, where is Jesus today? He's right here. He's right here. Don't you know whether he's here in you or not? I know what Christ is. He's right here. See, the only reason that I could get with my father again, that the son had to come die here on the cross so I can receive the spirit of the son so I can be with the father. What an awesome God we serve. All right? But let's show you the father's house. I'm not done with that. You are the father's house. Somebody always say, I am the father's house. Look at 1 Corinthians. Now, in 1 Corinthians... The Apostle Paul had to explain this. Verse 16, verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now remember, he told you first in John chapter 2, you're the temple. You're the temple. Then he called the Father's house. Now, see, some people, religious, traditional people, they want to go over to Jerusalem. And they want to walk all around through Jerusalem, the earthly city, and they won't say, yeah, we got to find somewhere to put this temple so Jesus can come back. Think about what they're saying. We got to find somewhere to build this temple so Jesus can come back. Now think about it. See, he's already come here. Because the temple that he lives in is not made with hands. Oh, let's, don't drop your cup. First Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 out of the King James. Know ye not? Oh, you don't know that you, you don't know that you the temple? Paul rebuked the church. Thought the Lord got to come back and build a temple. He said, look, you don't know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? You're the temple? Come on, tell somebody out there. You're the temple? And you being the temple mean you the Father's house. Once you ever get this revelation, you will take all the stuff out the Father's house that don't belong there. Why do I need the word, Pastor? Because the word cleanses the temple. Why do I need his blood, pastor? Because his blood cleanses the temple. Why do I need his spirit, pastor? Because his spirit cleanses the temple. So I got to realize that the Lord lives in his temple. And I am the temple of the Lord. So that makes me the father's house. 
so I don't have to be worried about when I die, I'm going to be with the Father. I'm going to be, well, going to be with the Father? You ought to already be with the Father. You ought to already be with the Spirit. You ought to see people are waiting till he comes. Oh, when he comes, oh, when he comes. You tell me he's not in you yet? You're waiting for him to come. Don't wait too long. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 said, Know ye not that you the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him God shall destroy, for the temple of God is holy. So how can you not, if you're the temple of God, then you got to live a holy life, because the temple is holy. Which temple you are. But he's not only going to say it there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Let's do that one first. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Watch what he's going to tell these people. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Know ye not again that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you and you are not your own? Watch this. You are bought with a price. Remember I told you you've been redeemed? Redeemed, you're bought with a price with the blood? Revelation 1 and 5 say he washed you from your sins. In his own blood. First Corinthians 6, 19 says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? Watch this. And you are not your own. Oh my God, what a revelation. My, I'm not my own no more. I've been bought out. My house is not mine anymore. I can't do what I want to do in this house no more. It's not my house. I've been bought out. Jesus pays the rent here. Good God Almighty. Oh, my God. I don't have to be worried about being thrown out. Jesus bought, bought it out, bought the whole house. Jesus pays the mortgage. He made sure the house is taken care of. If anything wrong with the house, he made sure the house is fixed up. This is house. Know ye not that you are the temple of God? Know ye not that you are the body of Christ and that the spirit of God lives in you? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Give him the praise right now. Give him the praise and the glory for taking care of you. That's what happens when you get saved. You invite the Lord. You, you trust him and you say, Lord, you come live inside of me. Live your life in me. God will take care of you. He'll treat you real good. I'm telling you right now, he'll heal your body, save your soul, heal your body. He'll do all this other stuff you can't get done. He'll come in there and do it. You don't have to be worried about being afraid, being alone, anything. God will be right there with you. What a mighty God we serve. Somebody ought to give him praise out there. Hallelujah. All right. Now, I showed you this last thing I want to show you here. And I want to show you the crown. Because the word crown is eternal life. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to have to do this real rapidly. We got about 14 minutes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Now we talk about, remember I told you earlier, Giving thanks to the Father. Because, see, you got people say, oh, when I die, they going to get their crown. They... Let's see what they're going to get. So you've been lied to. That's religion. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Paul said, know you not that they which run in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Well, we, I showed you that we have obtained an inheritance. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Here, every man that striveth for the mastery is tempering all things. Now they do it to obtain, watch this, a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. We are obtain an incorruptible crown. Now we're showing you crown. Paul said we obtain an incorruptible. All right, what does it mean by incorruptible? 
Let me show you that in 2 Corinthians 4. That'll take me to my message in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. We're going to start reading verse 15. 2 Corinthians 4. An incorruptible crown is eternal life. So you're talking about the crowns in the Bible. It's eternal life. You obtain an inheritance. What is inheritance? Eternal life. You obtain an incorruptible crown. What is your incorruptible crown? Eternal life. That's when God put his spirit over your flesh. He crowned you. All right. 2 Corinthians 4, 15 says, For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish. That's what's going to happen to the outward man. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The inward man, that's the Christ in you, is renewed day by day. There's a never a day which he's not new. Can you understand that? He'd never get old. All right. Verse 17. For our light afflictions is what's but a moment. Worketh for us a more exceedingly and eternal, watch this, weight of glory. While we look, that's, this is what changed this ministry. That verse right there. God says what you're going through works for you. Why you look, while I look, pastor, what am I looking at? Why you look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How can I look at things that is not seen? You're going to have to use your faith. See, people still want to have church with the bread on the table. They want to have church with the baptism pool so they can see that. They want to be baptized with water, but they wonder why nobody being baptized with the Holy Ghost in the church. They want to eat the bread off the table and they wonder why God don't give them the bread that comes from above. You can't have both. Watch what he says. And verse 17, our light afflictions, which is but for a moment. Work is for us. Work is for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, we got to start looking at the things which are not seen. That means you're going to need faith. You're going to be born of the Spirit. Then they're going to say something. The things which are seen are temporal. They are natural. The bread on the table, the water baptism pool, the foot washing, all that stuff natural. You're trying to worship a spirit God with natural things. In the Old Testament, you know what they call that? You got it. Idolatry. When Israel went and built a golden calf and said, that's God, it called idolatry. When God used a rod for the children of Israel and he put a snake on the pole and he used it to heal Israel of bitten serpents, after he was done with it, they were supposed to throw it away. Oh no, they took that pole and they took it all the way in the promised land and they began to try to use it in the promised land. And God told the prophet, tear it up. It's idolatry. Anytime God has finished using something, if he doesn't bless it, it becomes idolatry. That's why Paul says we glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the cross is what caused the world to be crucified to you 
and you were crucified to the world, the cross. That's why we glory in the cross. Not in the bread on the table, not on the baptism pool what John the Baptist used, not the bread on the table that Moses used. We got the true bread now. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your father ate bread on the table in the wilderness and they are dead. But if you eat this bread that come down from heaven, he's talking about himself, you will never die. So you tell me why people are still dying. They think they can eat the bread off the table and stay alive. You've been deceived. Showing you a house from heaven. Showing you the crown. Let's show you another one. The crown. 2 Timothy 4.8. Showing you the crown. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Here's another crown. All of them, all of the crown is eternal life. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Read not the King James Version. Here's what Paul told Timothy. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not me only, but also all them that love his appearing. So all of those people who were Jews were waiting on Christ to come back. They will get their eternal life when Christ came back. Now that was not you in the body of Christ. Because in the body of Christ, you have Ephesians 1 and 11. That's why you got to write them about the word. Paul was a Jew. And Paul would get his crown. I'm going to show you the same thing with Peter. They could not get eternal life until Christ came back. Are you telling me he hasn't come back yet and they have not got their eternal life yet? You need to study the word a little better. Because I'm going to show you that crown is a crown of righteousness. And he says, with the righteous judge shall give me at that day and all them that love his appearing. It wasn't you. The Bible told you in Colossians, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. You already obtained an inheritance. Let me ask you a question. Where is Christ? If he's in you, you've already obtained your inheritance. God put everything you need in Christ and put Christ in you. The hope of glory. But they had to wait. Let me show you one more. Peter. Peter the same way. 1 Peter 5, 4. 1 Peter 5, 4. Peter was the same way. He could not get his inheritance until Christ returned. That's not you. That was the church of God. 1 Peter 5, 4. When the chief shepherd shall appear. I'm going to start reading up the verse 1. I like this. The elders which are among you, I exhort, he's writing through the church of God, the Jews, who am also an elder. I'm a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also I'm a partaker of the glory. Watch what he said, though. That shall be revealed. Their glory had not been revealed to Christ's return. But he goes, tell them, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by the constraint, but willingly, not with filthy lucre, otherwise don't, don't have to be paid to do this, but of a ready mind. Neither as being Lord, don't try to be over God's people, don't think you're God, don't think you're above the law, don't think you're God, don't think you are the law. Neither as being Lords over God's heritage, but be an example be an example to the flock. And then the last thing he said was, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, Peter's talking to the church. When the chief shepherd shall appear, 
you shall receive a crown of glory. Now, what is the crown of glory? The crown of life. It's righteousness. The word glory is God's righteousness. It's God's life. He says, when he come, you shall receive a crown of glory. Watch this. That faded not away. How you know, Pastor? Because that's what happened with Moses. When he came down, the glory faded. Look at Revelation. I'm going to show you two more. James 1.12. Same way in James. Peter, James, and John all was waiting on Christ's return. James chapter number 1, verse 12. Blessed be the God, blessed be the man, I'm sorry. Blessed be the man that endured temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive, watch this, the crown of life. See, James said the crown of life. Paul said the crown of righteousness. Peter said the crown of glory. All the same thing. Which the Lord has promised to them that love him. The Lord promised. You already received all your promises, 2 Corinthians 1.20. The Lord promised to them that love him. The Lord promised. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 1.20. See if you got everything already. 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises of God in Christ is yes. And in Christ, amen. Unto the glory of God by us. Everything God promised, he's already given to you. They're already in Christ. Let me show you one more and we close. Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Watch what Jesus is going to say to those Jews that follow him during the tribulation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 says, And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, thy tribulation, thy poverty, but thou art rich. And I know thy blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but you are the synagogues of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. John, I will give you a crown of life. James, I will give you the crown of life. Paul, I will give you a crown of righteousness. Peter, I'll give you a crown of glory. All of those men, God said, I will give you when they return. But you, you got your stuff in Christ. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You got everything you need in Christ. Let's get right into the world. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 15. Let me show you something. Everything that you got is in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. This is how you save got to be in Christ. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel. Read out of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 of the King James. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That is how you say believing and putting your faith and trust in Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. Bow your head with me right now. Heavenly Father, I receive, I believe with all of my heart, Christ died for my sins and he was buried and you raised him from the dead. I put my faith and my trust and my confidence in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Thank you, Father, for saving me, giving me the Holy Spirit, giving me eternal life, giving me your righteousness. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Somebody shout with them, please. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www. 
mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.